Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim and Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom, and we are now in our fi- about to start our final sh- uh, shiur of Masechet Yevamot, Amdaf Kuf Chaf Aleph Amud Bet, uh, ending the parak of Haisha Batra. Again, dealing with issues of testimony uh, of a man's death, allowing his wife to remarry. Uh, Mishnah Hay. In our counting, there's other versions. Even if you heard women saying, this guy died, that's good enough testimony. Vito takes it further. Even if he hears kids saying, we're on our way to go and eulogize and bury this guy, whether or not the person testifying intends testimony, <coughs> he distinguishes. He says, when it comes to a Jewish person testifying, doesn't matter what their intent is. <coughs> if the uh, non-Jew is intending, we have to see intending what, then we don't accept it. Okay, let's talk about the children first. Maybe they don't end up going to this funeral. Maybe it didn't really happen. Not that they said we're on our way to bury, but rather we're on our way from burying and eulogizing uh, this fellow. Um, maybe they just had like an animal of theirs died uh, like a um, uh, Locust and they have a sequel, and they just use this guy's name. No, they actually recount as part of their story that these certain rabbis were there, these certain eulogizers were there, so it's a real burial and really of that fellow. What is it that we do not allow when a non-Jew testifies? When he's intending to allow the woman to marry. If he actually comes intending to testify, we accept it. How do we know what his intent is? If he comes to Beitin and says, this guy died and let his wife marry, he's intending to let her marry and perhaps to mess her up. As we know, what will happen if the husband comes back? Mate Stamet, if he just comes and says, this guy died, and then come in, they do. Then he's coming to testify. Rishlokish says the same thing as Shmuel in Bavel. Uh, in Tveria, Rishlokish says, if he intended to permit her, then it's no good. My teacher, Rabbi Shaya, had a case that happened. She tiram. He allowed some women to marry uh, when he was in the presence of these elders. And he said, In other words, this non-Jew came and testified, and Rabbi Shaya permitted the wife to marry. And, he, and Rabbi Shaya said to this Kenim who protested that he intended to testify. And the Chachamim did not agree with him, which means, Rishakash, you're wrong for saying that Ein Kaven La'id is okay. So then, what kind of testimonies we don't accept? When when do we accept it? When he's just speaking innocently, not intending to testify. For instance, there was a guy who was walking around saying, Is this a particular around? After all, um... This uh, this fellow uh, 
died. That's the way he's telling us that he died, but he's not intending to do a legal act of testimony. The answer of Yosef to Rabbi Yosef allowed the wife to marry. And another case where a fellow was walking around, an Anju was walking around, said, Oh, woe to this particular guy who was in Pumadita and died. And Rav Yosef, or perhaps Rava, married the, uh, the wife. Um, uh, meaning the married off the wife. There was a fellow who was walking around saying, Man ika be chasa tova chasa. Chasa drowned. Nachman hayalokim achlu kavre lechasa. He said, it must be that the fish have eaten chasa up. So, Chasa's wife, when she heard what Nachman said, as a result of what the non-Jew said, she went and married. Nobody told her anything wrong. This must have been Maim She'en Lem Sof, because of the fish. And therefore, uh, he said, uh, and that's the way she, he described it, um, so therefore, uh, it, when the, when the rabbi said in the previous Mishnah that Maim Shein Lam Sof, you're not allowed to marry, Hani Mila Chatchila, it's a Chatchila, but the Eden Yasiyah, she marries, Lov Kinalamina, we don't make her divorce. Ikadamri, the other version is, Ansevar of Nachman Ladevitu, of Nachman himself married the wife, Machasa Gavar Rabbi Ita, Im Ita the Soli, Kala Ita the Milta. Uh, sorry, that Rav Nachman oversaw the marriage, and he said, look, normally Mayim Shein Lemsof don't work, but this Chasa was an important person. If he had come out, we would have heard about it, which means that even though we didn't see him come out, we assume he drowned and he's dead. We reject that and say that it doesn't matter whether he's an important person or not. The rule is, Mayim Shein Lemsof Lechatchilu, may not marry, but if she did marry based on it, she does not need to leave him. There was a non-Jew telling a Jew, I want you to cut some some straw or grass and throw it to my animals on Shabbat. I'll kill you like I killed that other Jew. And he said his name. I told him to cook some food for me. He refused to. And I killed him. Right? Now, here we're not talking about the issue of Kiddush Hashem, etc. We're just talking about this guy's inadvertent testimony about having killed this other Jew. Shama Devitu, the wife of that other fellow, heard this. She came to Abaye and said, Can I marry? So Shahite, Abaye, kept her there, Flata Rigli, for a whole year, for three, three, three Rigalim, uh, while the Chachamim gathered to see um, whether or not we, they could find a solution. So Ravada Barava gave her a piece of advice. Go to Rav Yosef instead. The Kharif Sakina, he has a sharp knife, meaning he'll cut to the chase. Aslan Kameshi came for him. Shot me Matnit, and he answered her from this Mishnah. If he says that this fruit is from an orla tree, or it's from a particular place, Azeka, which is uh, very well worked, or Shenetta Revai, Lo we don't believe him, and the fruit is not prohibited. He's just lying in order to make his stuff sound better, like it's from a younger tree or from a better area. And therefore, the same way here, he's just frightening this Jew, saying he killed somebody, we don't have any reason to think that he really did. Story about a Jew and a non-Jew went on a road. 
And then later, the non-Jew said, Too bad about that Jew who was with me on the road. And he died, and I buried him. They see we and they allowed the wife to marry. It was a whole group of men who were on their way to Antiochia, Antioch. And then a goy came and said, Too bad about those guys. They died, and I buried them. And the rabbis allowed their wives to marry. They were going to Beitar, these 60 men. And again, he tells the story, he knows exactly where they're going, and they died, and he buried them. And they, the rabbis allowed their wives to marry. So you see that in this particular case, not when he's boasting about it, but rather just relating a story, we do accept that Messiah Lefitumo. We could testify even if the person says, I saw it by candlelight or by moonlight, the, the, the man dying. Even if there's a batkol, we hear an example of this, meaning a, a voice that's kind of disembodied, that informs us that somebody died, we can also allow the wife to marry based on that. There's a story about a man who was standing on top of a mountain. He announced that this particular guy from this particular place died. They came and they didn't find anybody there. That's a bat call. They allowed the wife to marry. At a certain place. He said, I, and he identified himself properly. And then he said, a snake bit me and I died. They went there and they found the body that belonged to the voice and they didn't recognize him. Nonetheless, they went and allowed the wife to marry based on his own testimony. Right? So Bechamai do not accept the idea of, test, of allowing her to marry based on uh, this disembodied voice. That's our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says, Because if you find a Brita or a Mishnah that says that we do not marry based on a bot call, don't think it's a mistake, it's based on Bechamai. Okay, in our story, they went to look for this disembodied voice and didn't find anybody, and figured it was somebody who said it, and they ran away. Maybe it was a demon. They saw what looked like a person in the silhouette. Even uh, the shading know how to do that. They saw a shadow of the person. Evidently the shading also have a shadow. They saw the shadow of the shadow, and that meant that it was a real person. Maybe Shadim have that too. So another one of these conversations with Shadim. We have our Papa had a famous conversation. Right? He said, Shadim don't have the shadow of a shadow of their body. Maybe it was the co-wife who we don't believe when she's trying to mess her up. We can write a get when somebody is in danger, uh, like he's about to die, uh, and, uh, and he says, anybody who can hear my voice, go write a get, we write it based on that, even if we don't know the guy. So in the same way, we will accept this bot call, even though it possibly could have been the tzara. Okay, the last Mishnah is divided into two. I'm going to give a famous story. I went down to Nahardea, to Bavel, to do Ibur HaShanah. They had famous astronomers there. I found this particular Nehemiah uh, from Beit Deli. 
I heard that in Eretz Yisrael, they do not allow someone to marry based on one witness. We already saw this entire Mishnah dealt with it earlier in the uh, in the 15th parak. El Yud ben Bava. The only one was Yud ben Bava. And I told him, that's right. Go tell them in Eretz Yisrael in my name. You know that it's very hard to travel because there's all sorts of military action here. I have a tradition going back to that we do marry based on one witness. Continues the story. Says I came back to Yavne and I told him Gamliel, the grandson of the one who's who is credited with the statement. He was very happy to hear it. We found some support for Yudam Baba's practice of allowing this woman to marry based on one witness, which of course is our halacha. In the middle of this discussion, we realized that these people have been killed in Tel Arza. And one witness testified to who was killed where Megamliel allowed the wives to marry. And from that point on, the they were... The protocol was to marry, allowing them to marry, even if it's second-hand testimony, even if it's an invalid witness, a slave, a slave girl, a woman. We do not use one witness. They disagreed. Bekiva accepted that statement halfway. He said, you do need to have somebody who's a valid witness, but one witness is enough. Okay, so now, back to the end of that Mishnah. doesn't allow a woman to A woman can bring her own get and say, There's that list of five women who are not allowed to say their husband died. They're still allowed to bring the get on behalf of that woman. If this one is believed to say her husband died, certainly she could bring her own get, which means that a woman is allowed to testify, uh, and other women are allowed to testify that a man died. It's only the five that we exclude. So the regular woman is believed. You're right, Rabbi Kiva's earlier statement is reflected at the end of our Mishnah. But after the practice that we accept all of these witnesses after Rebekiva's visit in our day, etc., etc., then Rebekiva indeed said that we do allow them to testify. Okay, I'm going to the end of the last Mishnah. This is now the response to Rebekiva. So the story about Bnei Levi who went to the city of Soar. So one of the chevro, one of the members of the group, got sick. They left him in an inn. And on the way back, they stopped in the inn, and they said, hey, where's our friend? She said, he died, and I buried him. And they married the wife based on that. And should a kohenet not be as believed as a pundakit? So amr lohu luchshu kapundakit nemenet. nemenet. <clears throat> this is still Rabbi Kiva in the earlier version where he says we don't believe a woman. So we have a story where they believe this story, this innkeeper. And Rabbi Kiva said, then let this Kohenet be as good as the innkeeper, meaning 
who's the Kohenet, meaning regular woman. She didn't just say he died. She actually brought out his personal effects, including his own Sefer Torah. And that was how we knew that indeed he had died. Okay, that's the end of the Mishnah. Now, my to the Punakit, why is this Punakit such a low life that he's saying, that they, they were saying back that a Kohenet should be as good? She was a non-Jew. She was just telling a story. Here's his staff. Here's his sack, his satchel. And here's the bear for the grave where I buried him. Same version. Wait a second. They said, "Where's our friend?" Which means it's not Mesiach Levitoma. She was answering. The answer is came on the Chazitinu Bachya. Amrula Ayechaverenu. They came and they saw her crying, and they said, "Where's our friend?" And then she told them what she told them. But in other words, she had sort of instigated the whole conversation. There was a a fellow who came to testify about a woman, and it was on behalf of a woman that her husband had died, uh, in front of Rabbi Tarfon. So Rabbi Tarfon said, How do you know? We were walking together. An army, a gang took after us. And he got uh, kind of uh, um, grabbed by a, an olive branch and it broke him. Um, he, he broke it off and he was able to chase them off. And he said to me, How do you know my name is Aryeh? And it was just a fellow he didn't know. Alright, my name is Yochanan Yonatan, but I'm called the lion of Farshichia. So that's how I knew his name. Later on he got sick and died. They And Rabbi Tarfon, then, based on this guy's testimony, uh, that he, that this fellow died, wear it off his wife. Retar from Abai, Drisha Bachakira, doesn't retar from demand proper investigation of the witnesses. Tanya Maseb, Adam Machajavali from Retar from Lehi, they do Tisha, a fellow came to testify that a man had died and allowed the wife to marry him. Marlo Bni, Heachater de Dudzu, he asked him, How do you know? Marlo, Aniva, who are you know, Chemaderach, Tabakin of Gaius, and Labi Hurtena of Shacho, Exurta Gaius of Rab Martel, Shako Harye, my effect, Ivanti Lishmish, Gakorino Tibi, Riocham and Yochanan. Yonatan same story, but in this version, So he, Rabbi Tarfon asked him the name, and he fixed the name. And Rabbi Tarfon asked him in detail several times until he got it right, until it was clear. Therefore, demanded before allowing the wife to marry. The answer is these two versions are We have one version that says that we do not check with the regular drisha v'chakira. What was the exact name? Or was it we accept it at face value? Rabbi disagreed and said we do. And this disagreement, meaning according to the second story, followed this version of Ritarfon. The first story followed what we here have as Rabbi Kiva. There is no Jewish of Chakira. And the Machloket is essentially how what to do with Rabbi Hanina. 
דיאמר רבי חנינא, דבר תורה אחד דיני ממונות ואחד דיני נפשות ברישיון חקירה. really מדורייתא, you need רישיון חקירה in any court case, whether it's financial or איסורים. שנאמר, משפט אחד יהיה לכם, the law is the same all over. מה הטעם אמרו, דיני ממונות אין צריכים דרישיון חקירה? why did the rabbis excuse? עדים, of Dine Mamarot from Jewish of Achakira, Shalotin Odal, Fein Lovin, because nobody's going to want to lend money. If they know that when they bring their witnesses in, who the, the witnesses will be reluctant, because they know that they're going to get grilled. All right, of Michael Epalgi, so what's the machloka between the two versions of Rabbi Tarfon or Rabbi Kivan and Rabbi Tarfon? Mars, I came in the Ika Ketubah, the Mishkak, Dine Mamarot Dami. Since there's going to be a Ketubah involved, it's like Dine Mamarot, and therefore we don't have Jewish of Achakira. So we came in the Kashur Nation, the Islamah, but bottom line, we're allowing a married woman to marry, Kedin Enefashot Dami, it's like Din Enefashot. And now we quote Rabbi Chanina with a very, very famous statement to end the Masachet. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Amar Rabbi Chanina, Tabidei Chachamim, Marbim Shalom Ba'olam. The Tabidei Chachamim bring lots of peace into the world. Shalom Bachol Banayich, Lemunei Adonai, Rav Shalom Banayich, and of course the famous Al Tikre and Brachot, Al Tikre Banayich, Ela Banayich. But, uh, that uh, all of your sons study from Hashem, and they have are students of Hashem, they, they, they're knowledgeable of Hashem's ways, and they have lots of peace. They bring lots of peace into the world. And of course, the critical peace thing here is that they are mandated to try to bring peace to people's lives when the tragedy of a uh, disappearing husband uh, comes and how to deal with it in a way that allows people to to move on and to marry, and that of course is the focus of the last two parakim. Hashem, we've concluded our study of Masachet Yevamot. Yishakoach to all of the students who participated with us. Hashem, in the next podcast, we'll pick up at the beginning of Masachet Ketubot. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day. Chen chen